0: You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres Rodriguez, personal finance expert, speaker, writer, and business coach. I teach women of color how to build wealth and gain financial independence through side hustles and investing. On this show, we're serving up POC-friendly personal finance knowledge, always with a side of sass. We're talking about how to make dinero, how to keep it, and how to make it grow. If you're ready to become poderosa with your dinero, You've come to the right place. Hola, mi gente. I'm super excited about today's episode. We're going to be breaking down investing. Now, I think I get more questions about investing than any other financial topic. So I definitely wanted to start off the podcast with this, um, just because I feel like it is something that you probably hear about really often, but you might not have an idea on how to get started. For some reason, investing and in planning for the future for our previous generations of our family um, involved playing the lottery, you know, and hoping that you were going to strike it rich. And it's just really not a great way to plan for the future, you know, the odds are a little better for you. If you actually are proactive about your money, educate yourself on the stock market and the ways that it can help you boost your net worth. So we're going to talk about all that. The first thing we're going to do is break down some definitions because it's important to understand the language of investing before you will feel comfortable actually taking that on. And then we're going to talk about how to get started. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening. In order to be comfortable with investing, first we have to understand what the hell they're actually talking about when, you know, investment... Professionals are throwing around terms like asset allocations or expense ratios or IPOs or whatever the heck else. So I figured let's get started with a couple of key definitions that you should know before you decide to be an investor. So the first definition we'll talk about is asset allocation. This is basically a fancy phrase for your investment strategy. There are three general categories where you're going to put your money when you're investing either cash bonds or stocks cash is the least risky but also provides the least amount of return if you think about how low the interest rates have been at banks you know i know at the end of the year i think i got a statement saying i got a whopping total of like 25 cents for having my money in a bank account so you can see how my money's safe but it's not really doing anything for me uh then we have bonds which are generally riskier than cash but less risky than stocks. And we'll talk about what both of those are so you understand what the difference is between bonds and stocks. So bonds, when you invest in a bond, you're essentially loaning money to a company or a government. And provided that nothing bad happens, like a bankruptcy, you cash in on the bond on the maturity date and you collect some interest. So that's how you make your money. Now, when it comes to stocks, you are actually purchasing a tiny, tiny portion of ownership in that business. So essentially, the better the company performs, the more your stock is worth, and if the company doesn't do well, your stock may be worth less. If your only experience with investing is participating in your company's 401k, then chances are you are invested in the next term we're gonna talk about, which are mutual funds. In layman's terms, This is a pile of money that comes from a group of investors like you, and then is invested in assets like stocks and bonds. A mutual fund can hold hundreds of stocks with the purpose of spreading your risk across a broad spectrum of uh, investment portfolios versus just having all of your money, say in like Apple or Amazon or one specific stock. So in most cases, there are money managers that buy and sell uh, based on you know, different information, and this brings us to our next definition, which is the expense ratio. So as you can imagine, somebody who's managing your money is going to charge you in order to do that. So an expense ratio is the cost that an investor can expect to pay on an annual basis which is basically, it's the percentage of your money that goes to the managers of the mutual funds that you're investing in. So the bigger the expense ratio, the less money you're gonna make. Essentially, the more they're charging you to manage your money, the less you're gonna take home. So your goal should always be to go with as low of an expense ratio as you can, because that's basically money that you're paying somebody else. Something that has become all the rage as of late are something called index funds. These are a type of popular mutual fund because their costs are generally low because they are passively managed, which means that they are pretty much managed by like a computer. So if you wanna understand index funds, you first need to understand indexes, which are essentially a collection of stocks that represent a slice of the economy. So you can have indexes for technology, which would probably include you know, Apple, Amazon, Google, all those big players, you can have indexes for healthcare, for oil, for utilities, for anything you can name it. If there is a sector of the economy that is making money, there is an index associated with it. So by tracking the performance of a group of stocks, indexes give investors a sense of how the market is doing whatever portion of uh, of, uh, the market that index tracks. So by investing in an index fund, you're essentially betting on the success of the basket of companies that it contains. Next, we'll talk about what a market index is. So if you've ever watched financial news reports, you'll see them often talk about indexes like the Dow Jones, the S&P 500, or the NASDAQ composite. So those are market indexes and basically what they are, it's a hypothetical portfolio of investment holdings which represent a segment of the financial market. So for example, the S&P 500 financial index actually tracks 500 of the largest companies in the United States and their value is what gives that whole index its value. So the cumulative value of all of the holdings inside that index give the index itself its value. So when you see, you know, the Dow Jones is at 24,000, that 24,000 is representative of the 30 companies that are part of the Dow Jones uh, financial index. Investors follow these market indexes to understand what the economy is doing on a basically greater scale. So if the indexes are doing well, it's safe to say that the majority of the companies that are in those indexes are doing well, and vice versa. When you see these market crashes, that just means the economy is taking a turn downwards. There are also specific indexes that track specific industries like oil and gas, utilities, energy companies healthcare, technology, you name it. An index fund is a type of mutual fund with a portfolio that is intended to track the components of a financial market index like the S&P 500. So an index fund is intended to give you broad exposure to a specific sector of the economy. They're generally considered great for portfolios for retirement accounts, Because instead of picking an individual stock and hoping that that's the one that's gonna make you rich, uh, it makes more sense for the average investor to buy all of these S and P five hundred companies at the low cost that an index fund offers, so that you have broad exposure to those five hundred companies. Because you know, at any given time, some can do well, some can do not so well. But because you are diversified, and we'll talk about what that means in a second you have less chances of losing all your money in one shot. The big buzzword that I want you to take home today if you learn nothing else is diversification. That is a fancy way of basically spreading your risk across different investment vehicles so that you don't end up broke. Because honestly, what's the point of investing all your money if you're just gonna end up broke, right? So my advice And most financial experts will agree with me don't just go out and buy freaking stock that just looks cool because you like the company you know when airbnb or uber or all these companies become publicly traded companies which means you can buy stock in them who the hell knows what's going to happen you know putting all your money in one basket is just as reckless as putting all your hopes and dreams into one relationship all right let's keep it real so Diversification is a risk management strategy that mixes a wide variety of investments within a portfolio, and the point of this technique is that if your portfolio is constructed of enough different kinds of assets, on average, you will get returns on your money, and you will lower the risk of having any just one investment holding and banking on that for all your hopes and dreams. Your goal should be to have a portfolio that consists of a mixture of stocks, bonds, exchange traded funds, which we'll talk about in a second, commodities, and cash or cash equivalents. Now, a moment ago, I mentioned exchange traded funds. You'll also hear them frequently referred to as ETFs. So index funds, you'll remember, follow the uh, underlying market index to which they're tied. So again, like a healthcare index fund will follow healthcare stocks, a technology index fund will follow technology stocks. So the main difference between an index fund and an ETF is that ETFs can be traded like stocks, whereas index funds cannot now what that means is that you can literally go in to a brokerage firm whether online or in person and you can buy one share of an etf just like you were to buy one share of apple stock on the flip side index funds which are mutual funds usually require a minimum amount to invest typically It ranges anywhere from $1,000 for an initial investment to $100,000 or more it really just depends on who is actively managing that um, index fund or which brokerage firm manages that index fund so there are a couple advantages to trading in ETFs mainly you can buy a share at whatever price they're at so if a share of an ETF is $40, you can get started with $40. That's a lot more agreeable to somebody who's just an average investor because let's be honest, I'm pretty sure most of us don't have, you know, $100,000 just sitting around waiting to be invested in an index fund. So if you're just trying to kind of dabble in the stock market and you don't want to Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. Put a lot of money in upfront. ETFs are a really great way to do that because you can literally get started for less than $100. Another advantage of ETFs is that they tend to be lower in fees because they don't have someone actively managing the portfolio. It just basically is what it is, and it follows the market index that it's tied to, and it goes up and down in value based on that index. So because fees and expenses are the devil in that they will take money away from what ends up in your pocket, you need to consider... ETFs because they are typically going to have the lowest expense ratios of um, any investment security when you're talking about, you know, comparing them to actively managed mutual funds. Again, one of the advantages of trading in ETFs is that you can buy them the same way that you buy stocks. So at the beginning of the day, you can buy an ETF, you can track it through the day. If you see its huge spike in its value, you can sell it and get that return immediately. If it was, uh, if you're dealing with a mutual fund or an index fund, you actually have to wait until the market closes before you can do any transactions with your investment in that index fund. So you basically have to wait, let the stock... In the index fund ride it out for the day maybe they crash and burn but there's nothing you can do about that that's just the way that they're built so if you're more interested in an active approach when it comes to being able to you know get your immediate return on investment etfs offer that flexibility The investment terminology that we've covered today is definitely not comprehensive. And so in order to make sure that you're getting as much information as possible, I'm gonna include a link to one of my favorite investment websites, investorjunkie.com, where they have a comprehensive list of 25 of the most common investment definitions. So I'm sure right now your head is swimming with all this terminology, but the main question you're asking yourself is, okay, I'm ready to get started, but how do I know how much of what I should invest in what? Let's talk about it. One common way of diversifying your portfolio is by following the 100 rule. That simply states that you should take the number 100 and subtract your age. The result should be the percentage of your portfolio that you should dedicate to stocks. So for example, if you're 25, this rule suggests that you should invest seventy-five percent of your money in stocks, and if you're seventy-five, you should only invest twenty-five percent of your money in stocks. The rationale behind this method is that us young folks have a longer time to weather storms in the stock market, like market crashes. So, in theory, you know you'd be safe to invest in more growth-oriented securities like stocks and as you get older you want to lessen those risks because you're getting closer to retirement at which point you need to make sure your money is not going to go anywhere or you're going to end up working at walmart until you're 95 and ain't nobody got time for that so as you get older that ratio is going to change and you're going to invest in more fixed income investments like bonds because bonds are less risky than stocks That's the rationale. Now, there are some people that believe that the 100 rule needs some tweaking because, for example, people are living longer, especially women. In fact, the Social Security Administration recently reported that the average 65 year old woman can expect to live to 86. So a longer life expectancy means you need more money to fund a comfortable retirement. And so as a result, some investors have changed the 100 rule to the 110 rule. And those with a stronger appetite might opt for the 120 rule. That means at the age of 20, you should be investing all of your money, every single last penny in stocks and transition as you get older. Whatever method you decide is best for you is the best one. So you just have to sit down with yourself ask yourself what level of risk you're comfortable with and how that matches up with your long-term financial objectives. If you're unsure of what type of investor profile you have, you can usually go on most brokerage firm websites and they'll have an investor's questionnaire where you can assess your comfortable level of risk and what your long-term goals are. And they'll basically give you suggestions on how to diversify and allocate your investments in order to achieve your goals in a way that makes you feel comfortable. That's always the most important thing. So in order to start investing, I think the best place to start is usually at your workplace. If your job offers a 401k, especially one that has matching, definitely take advantage of that because essentially if you're not investing in your jobs 401k and they offer a matching program, you're throwing away free money. So at the minimum, you should be investing at least up to the percentage that the company will match you. So for example, my company, provides a 75% match on the first 6% of my income that I invest in my 401k. So I definitely make sure to put at least 6%. Now, if you work for an employer that doesn't provide an employer-sponsored retirement plan like a 401k or a 403b for public employees, that's okay. At the end of the day, this show is about empowering you to take your financial destiny into your own hands. So if your employer is not going to support your retirement plans, because you're going to open an investment account on your own and get your financial shit in order. All you have to do to get started is get on your computer or your phone and go to one of the major brokerage firm websites. Some that I would suggest are Vanguard, Fidelity, John Hancock, Charles Schwab, TD Ameritrade. There's a ton of them. So just do your research. It's really up to you who you decide to work with. And you're going to open an individual retirement account or an IRA. Now, you might already have an IRA if you have rolled over a 401k from a previous job. If you've done that, chances are you have an IRA already, at which point you can start putting money in there and you can start purchasing mutual funds, um, ETFs, stocks, whatever you want. Now, if you don't already have an IRA, So you're going to open one up. You can open one up with as little as $100 in some places. So you don't have to be intimidated about having to have thousands of dollars sitting waiting to be invested. If you have no idea where to start when it comes to actually picking an investment to purchase, this is going to sound really stupid, but this is honestly how I got started. I literally went to Google and searched best ETF to invest in 2019 or best index fund to invest in 2019 and you will literally get a list of different index funds or ETFs at different brokerage firms and based on recommendations from professionals you can decide you know based on the market returns based on the cost how much money you want to invest you can decide which ones to purchase it's really that simple If that just sounds like way too much uncertainty for you, that's okay. Another good place to start is to begin with an ETF or an index fund that is tied to the S&P 500 index. The reason I say that is because the S&P 500 represents 500 of the largest companies in the US. These are huge global companies that have a long track record of financial stability and success. And so it's a pretty safe bet when you compare it to investing in small startup companies that are really, you know, sort of make or break. Now that your IRA is open, the most important thing is that you continue to fund it, whether it's.
1: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.
0: with your tax returns, workplace bonuses, side gig money, any extra income that you can put in there is an investment in your future. So take advantage of it. It's important to invest even when the stock market is going down. That is what's called a bear market. A lot of people's tendency is to just start freaking out and be like, oh my God, I gotta take my money out. Look at the numbers, they're going down. That's actually the worst thing you can do. Not only are you gonna be selling your investments at a loss, but you're also gonna be losing out on the ability to buy stocks at a lower price. Who the hell says no to a sale? So don't be crazy, leave your money there, let it sit there. If you're young, you really shouldn't even be looking at your investment account more than every six months. So another thing you can consider doing is opening a regular brokerage account, which is not a retirement account, It is actually an account that you can use to buy stocks and bonds and use the money that's generated from those investments right away. So this is a method that is used by a lot of people to generate extra income and it's passive income. So if you invest enough in a brokerage account, theoretically, you can stop working. And we're gonna talk more about that topic in an episode that I'm gonna do about the FIRE movement, which stands for Financial Independence, retire early, which is all the rage in personal finance circles. So definitely stay tuned for that. Bueno mi gente, we've reached the end of this week's episode and I'm super excited to hear about your questions, your comments, your successes when it comes to investing. I know this topic can be super heavy and super effing boring, so I really appreciate you sticking with me and I think that This information is gonna be the start of your journey for investing. Now, just like anything else, you have to continue to learn to try new things and see what works best for you. So definitely continue to read, continue to listen to podcasts, share this with your friends and family if you think that this information is gonna be useful to them. I would really appreciate it. And if you have any questions, concerns, comments, or would like a question answered on the show, email info at Yo com. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Yo podcast. I'm looking forward to hearing from you guys. Have a great week. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal tax or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.